Welcome back to Deep Focus. My name is Quaid, and I'm here with your co-host, Nick. How are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing very good. Got a beer, and I'm ready. Nice. <laughs> tonight, we are doing the movie that everyone has been waiting for, that apparently uh, the internet was just desiring and could not believe was happening, and that is a director's cut of Justice League, Zack Snyder's Justice League, an HBO, Go Max, or whatever the fuck yep. it's called, original, what <laughs> Nolan has referred to as the worst streaming service. Um, <laughs> why did you want to do this, Nick? Because you wanted to do this. Why did you want to do it? Oh, um, honestly, I just think that it's really interesting, uh, just the difference between this and the theatrical cut. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, um, I get an option finally to be mean on the podcast. Finally, we get to sort of, we're sort of forced through happenstance to say that we don't like a movie, which is the original Justice League, uh, <laughs> and make fun of Joss Whedon. Uh, I always thought that I never liked him. We don't need to focus on him. I never liked him. But it is nice to <laughs> have definitive proof uh, for once and all. Um, but yeah, what did you hear about this? How did you, uh, you know, hear about the saga? I, I actually saw it on uh, Twitter a while ago. I just, um, I, I just saw an ad for Zack Snyder's, uh, Justice League cut. And I, I remember, um, watching, uh, the Zack Snyder cut of Batman vs Superman and thinking like, holy crap, I thought this movie was complete dog shit. And here's a director's cut where it's just you know one million times better right like yeah it it kind of reminds me of um the director's cut of the daredevil movie with ben affleck did you ever see that uh yes i watched that a lot as a kid yeah so well the original movie is like pg-13 and the director's cut is rated r and about 40 minutes longer hmm. right and it's way better and they have this like whole uh whole storyline surrounding ben yurik the reporter yeah right and it like it takes it to a whole nother level and I, like i think that that movie was way ahead of its time um in terms of the director's cut and what the director's vision was but apparently they had like a lot of um a lot of uh drama you know surrounding the production of it and they hired like uh i think they like fired the director and they hired a like new editor and everything to re-edit the whole uh, movie to make it PG 13. Yeah. Um, and they, they tried to make it like, look like daredevil doesn't kill anybody where, um, in the, uh, original or the, I guess the director's cut, uh, he definitely does. Yeah. You know, um, which was like a really awkward, like it felt awkward, awkward in the theatrical throughout the theatrical cut, maybe not just for their decisions, but just trying to make a movie where something like a hero is so brutal and kills so many people and trying to make that look like, you know, he doesn't kill anybody. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was, it was really awkward, but, um, and I think, uh, you've just sort of, uh, dialed in and like the two major reasons, uh, studios, uh, fuck with a director and his vision. One is time. And the second is a rating. And from what right. I understand about justice league, there's some sort of, I don't know if it's just PR, but Zack Snyder having a family emergency and therefore having to leave, uh, the mm -hmm. production and Warner Brothers not wanting to wait for him, which is probably just PR because the second thing is time. 
Zack Snyder shot a four hour movie, probably even over four hours. <laughs> and we already yeah. saw that with Batman versus Superman. Uh, his, his, his better cut, the cut that he would actually probably want to see in theaters was an additional 40 minutes of a movie that I think was already two hours or more. Um, right. So it is interesting. Um, and it's also interesting knowing that that's the studio's concerns, uh, primarily one of time, yeah. and then watching what Joss Whedon decided to use the screen time for in the original uh, compared right. to this. Um, for example, I know we're, we're getting, I'm going to say something right now. So spoilers, spoiler warning, uh, yeah. go watch it yourself and so on. But one little thing is at the very ending, I remember in Joss Whedon's cut, there's a lot of time spent about a Russian family, like some random Russian family at the very like in battle scene. Uh, and that's oh, yeah. Not, yeah, that's like nowhere in Zack Snyder's cut whatsoever. Um, I remember that. That was yeah, that was weird. So like in the most climactic um, moment, he he sort of like focuses it off on these this random like Russian hostage situation. But um, it is interesting yeah. it's, uh, to look at it from that angle being like, OK, if Joss Whedon was brought in because Zack Snyder was fucking up the time of the movie, uh, why did he right. choose to spend the screen time on this? I feel like I feel like a lot of producers are always concerned with like kind of emotional through lines. So I think that's why things like that are usually added. You know, it's 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 because they're deleting like a huge chunk of the film, you know, um, or 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 they're they're getting rid of like a, a very important part and they're trying to like maintain the emotional through line. Um, but it is interesting because actually, when you look at the in scene, I don't think the lengths of them are dramatically different in either one. Um, but you're yeah, right. Yeah, they don't right. have, they can't, the same scenes don't have the same payoffs, um, same moment right. in that ending sequence, um, that they haven't built up cause they have to put in the time. So you're probably right. But, uh, well, and something that I wondered about this was, um, I kind of wondered if producers took a little more control because of the backlash to man of steel, which I actually thought was a really good movie. Um, a lot of people like hated it because it, it didn't line up with what they perceived Superman to be, which is like someone who can always save everyone and like doesn't kill anyone. There was all, you know? there was a lot of complaining about like uh, a city being destroyed as well. Um, right. Right. Which I thought was bullshit. Which, like, but... Yeah. I had no problem with that. And like, I think, I think um, honestly, like Superman has always been one of my least favorite heroes because it's just kind of boring, you know? Yeah. Um, and the stakes are never there because he's always fighting, you know, people that are so much weaker than him. And when the stakes are there, it's like, you know, so intergalactically powerful, you know, that like it, there's no way to relate to it on a human level. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but I don't know if you've if you've ever seen it, but there's a there's an anime called One Punch Man. Yeah, I've heard of um, this. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's uh it's like satire about like extremely powerful powerful uh powerful uh main characters. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's it's fucking hilarious. I mean, it's funny cuz there's there's a lot of American audiences that don't actually understand that it's satire. Um so it's taken seriously a lot, but it's supposed to be like you know, bullshit essentially. It's supposed to be stupid, right? Like the the show's super dramatic um only because like the main character is late because he's like you know, or, or like not completely present because like he's missing a uh, grocery like sale or something, you know, that his mind's on. Um, like it, it's, it's supposed to be ridiculous. Like, you know, his, his, 
he's so powerful his concern is elsewhere yeah right um and that's where the satire comes in and like i think that's that's a poke at things like you know dragon ball z at things like superman you know things where the the main character is just so obscenely powerful that it kind of just reduces all the drama in it to nothingness yeah you know um but i i've never really enjoyed superman as a as a superhero right because like the whole i think the whole point of good superhero like stories is like the sacrifice and you know is the uh um is is the kind of like you're you're trying to build up someone who's larger than life but someone who embodies like the human ideal right and i think that it's really hard to do that with a superhero like superman because it's so easy for him to be moral yeah right because he's so powerful that it like he doesn't have to make the hard choice of killing someone because it's literally just a choice to him, right? Because he's bulletproof and he's invincible and he can fly super fast. Like he doesn't have to kill anyone if he doesn't want to. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is why I really enjoyed man of steel because they, they presented, you know, Zod as this like, you know, equal to him. Yeah. It's another Kryptonian. So. Right. And he's, he's literally not powerful enough to stop this person without killing him. Yeah. Right. And he has to make that moral decision. And I, I liked that where like, you know, it it forced him into a um a moral dilemma, which usually is not present in superhero films. Yeah. Right. And either either because this hero is way too powerful or because the writers literally just write around it, you know, so so they never had to deal with the dilemma in the first place. Mm-hmm. Right. Um I mean, this is why and, uh, Batman versus Superman, especially director's cut, um, was good as well in a sense is you mainly looking at it from Batman's point of view, which is like, how does a man take on God? And right. And once again, you have the infamous villain. I forget what he's called, but um, uh, Lex Luthor, not Lex Luthor, but the monster, the 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 famous oh, Doomsday. Yeah, Doomsday, the famous guy who yeah. can take on Superman, and Superman has to die in order to defeat him. You know, right, so, right. But once again, the stakes are so high. Like, what's really fun about Batman versus Superman is the idea of Batman beating Superman. Um, right. Well, and also Lex Luthor's storyline, which was completely cut from the theatrical cut. Yeah. Um, which honestly, like th- that, the theatrical cut when I first saw it was nonsensical. Right. Like, sure, the emotional through line was there, but, like, just objectively for for the plot's sake, like, there was, it was absurd, right? It was it was bordering comedy, right? And without, without obviously, like, the fun part of comedy, which is the jokes and such, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the absurdity was bordering comedy, and it was just, like, it was, it was so, it made so little sense, you know, like, the, the, objectives of the characters made so little sense that you couldn't really garner anything from the film right but when you see Zack Snyder's cut the thing that they cut was probably the most important piece of the film which was Lex Luthor's plot yeah right um to essentially frame Superman for being like this this cruel god right um and essentially trying to show the world like how he would be if he lost control of his emotions. Yeah. Right. Um, and I don't know. I think, I think like, 
I'm not sure why they, it might've been a time limit thing. You know, a lot of probably absolutely talked about this before, but um, I think it's dumb when they try to get the maximum number of showings in a day when like, they're not even filling up theaters to begin with anyways. No, it's dumb. And you know, a lot of directors have made their peace with it. Uh, Ridley Scott is one of those directors who does almost every movie, not every movie, but almost every movie he does a director's cut because he just doesn't care to fight with the studios. Um, right. And I feel like right. Snyder is similar. Uh, I feel like we've seen him do director's cuts on most on most m- most of his recent films. You know, I can think of right. 300 as an exception and maybe Man of Steel as well. Um, but right. Watchmen, the director's cut is significantly better. Um, Batman v Superman and this as well. You know, it's not that right. The thing is, the original this one wasn't even his. At least the other ones, he was able to shepherd the theatrical release to some degree, but um, not this one. So, mm. yeah. Um, but even in terms of, uh, I, I guess, like, I don't know. It, it seems silly to me that it, I think it, it feels more of like an arcane uh, procedure, you know, to to really shoot for an hour and a half, or maybe like two hours twenty now, but. Honestly, like three hour, four hour movie, you know, if you're if you're not filling up uh, theaters in the first place, like there's there's literally no point in trying to shoot for that hour and a half. Maybe maybe besides opening weekend. Yeah, I mean, it does really seem uh, to be a very dinosaur idea because, I mean, who's who's selling out theaters and opening weekend anymore? Honestly, like who was doing right, especially now, you know, it's uh, maybe Marvel movies. Right. Yeah. Um, and then I guess, I guess you could make the, the argument that, you know, this, uh, DC movies do that too. But at the same time, like, I, I feel like if you, I would rather be sold out for three weeks in a row than, um, have a great opening weekend and then just a fucking crash afterwards. Yeah. Right. Um, well, that's I the think thing is like that they're not. If people want to see the movie, they're going to go see it. I don't think um, the uh, the only thing that a uh, that limiting the time I, I suppose would do is if people have no clue what they want to see and they're looking at movies to watch that are in theaters and they're turned off by four hours. But I don't feel like sure. that's the re- <laughs> that's the the reasoning behind most people's uh, selection of a movie. And I also right. don't feel like that's where you're making your money. <laughs> like, I don't think you make your money on random walk-ins. To, uh, so. For sure. Well, and also, like, um, even if it's pressure from the theaters, if they're looking at, like, um, you know, time per profit, right? Like, I, I feel like the theaters would make more money if there was an intermission in a four-hour movie, right? Because people would go to the bathroom and go buy more concessions, which is where they make the bulk of their money anyways. Yeah. You know? Like that's how they used to do it with epics. There was always an intermission, and this could have easily had an intermission, like you know, in part, uh, like for whatever was in the middle of the movie, right? Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know. Um, what did you think about uh, the aspect be, ratio? Well, hold on, but it would be interesting yeah, to sure. see if we had the uh, if they ever released the data to see if the this um director's cut um ended up 
netting them some sort of significant number of subscribers to HBO Go. Um, because yeah. I remember the box office was like on the verge of being a disappointment. Uh, I believe like the box, like the budget of this was probably almost close to 300 million from what I understand. And worldwide, mm-hmm. they made a little under 700 million. So it'd be interesting right. to see um, to, to stack that side by side and see if, because it does seem there was actually like a lot of interest in this. Um, right. Like people were actually excited to watch this. I, I didn't, I don't know why, other than that, people must have thought that it, it was uh, unique, you know. Um, I, I think people just wanted, you know, justice for DC. <laughs> like the old Justice League cut. There were, like, I, I tried to defend the theatrical cut of Batman versus Superman as best I could, um, but there was no defending Justice League, right? It just felt so no, it was chaotic. Bad. And, it was bad. Yeah. There were like two good moments which were in this cut and I'm sure were shot by uh Zach, right? Um, in the theatrical cut. Yeah. And like the whole thing just felt ridiculous and silly, um, which totally changed in this one. Um but yeah, I don't know. I like this one way better. Um, same with the uh director's cut of Batman v Superman too. Mm-hmm um well it's a it's a cool way to get people interested in your streaming service for sure and it's uh nice to allow uh the director's vision i do hope that he was able to get his true and authentic vision out um to whatever degree because i do understand if i'm correct some actors did do some shooting with him for this um yeah there was actually a lot of reshoots i think that's good um But I do wonder, I wonder how much of Joss Whedon's uh, Justice League uh, made it into Zack Snyder's. Um, sort of tragic to think about. Uh, for example, there are moments in in this, even his director vision, version, where I, I can hear Joss Whedon's dialogue, you know? Um, right. And I'm like, that's almost certainly a Joss Whedon line. But, uh, you know. <laughs> Did you know. Joss Whedon shoot some? Joss Whedon, yeah, took over production and like rewrote, uh, rewrote okay. a significant amount of scenes um, and shot them as he wanted to. Um, Interesting. I mean, it's radically different. It's radically different. You number one, you actually right. have uh, arcs for both Flash and Cyborg. They actually get introductions right. and opening scenes and like arcs. Um, right. Also, you get all of the fucking backstory um, with with Snyder, where you get the the intro where they're fighting Darkseid and mm-hmm. all of that um, that sort of mythology behind these three cubes. Uh, whereas, yep. like in Joss Whedon's, you start up with Batman fighting one of those like bugmen that are like um, uh, the minions of what's his name, uh, Wolf or something, the uh, Darkseid's medium, Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf, yeah, um, and that, that's when he realizes it, and then he goes and finds Aquaman, and they have that. That's one of the great differences. I, this is just a small detail, but remember when he finds Aquaman in Joss Whedon's version? There's that mural. <laughs> well, there's a mural on the wall that discusses uh, the Atlanteans um, defending one of the cubes. Interesting. Um, whereas in Snyder's version, 
Batman doesn't know what the fuck is going on yet. All he knows is he's got a deep feeling, a deep instinct that he needs to get a powerful team going. Um, right, right. So there's a a lot of like the the great the big difference to me in both films is that Snyder gives a slightly more serious tone and he sets things up. He sets things up a lot more and then he pays them off. He essentially gives Flash right. and Cyborg their own mini movies. Um, right. Uh, whereas just we the whole, the whole thing feels rushed. It feels just like an info dump at the very beginning, and then a rush to the end fight scene. Um, yeah, that's one of the you also don't get a backstory the... for the villain in Joss Whedon's, whereas right, you get right. a, a fleshed out villain in Snyder's. It's just it's yeah. honestly it's time. I feel like that's the big difference between the two. But um, right, right. I actually thought that one of the weakest part of Joss Whedon's version was how exposition was dumped on you. Right, where a lot of things were just like said um, inherently, you know. Yeah, and I I always just hate when you know th- lines feel expository. Which, like, to be fair, Zack Snyder's had a little bit of that too. But um, for the most part, everything felt pretty natural um, in the way that it was um, in the way that it was told. Like you said, it was okay with Batman not knowing what the hell was going on for a while. Yeah, you know. Um, which I which I really appreciated, but um yeah, yeah. So um oh one the the thing that I really want to talk about was what did you think about the four by three aspect ratio? I liked it. I liked it a lot. Me too. And my primary reason for liking it was that it made it feel different. Whereas one of the primary things I I got from watching Joss Whedon's version years ago was that it sort of felt like um him half-assing uh trying to recreate avengers again whereas this this new aspect ratio sort of broke it all up it made like the mundane cg that i expect from superhero movies have a fresh feel and all that you know it it was just like a nice little thing to make it more evocative to me and uh, just break it up in my mind i actually felt like it was a really good way to make everything feel more comic booky um, yeah, that was one thing that I noticed out of this, but like, like a panel. Yeah, exactly. It looks like a panel. And like when you pause on any frame in this film, like it looks like a panel from a comic book, mm. you know? And I think the, I think the four by three really, really helps that. It's cool. You know? Um, and one thing that I actually noticed that I, I don't know if it was originally shot in four by three, but like when you look at some of the shots in like, in, um, Joss Whedon's version, it sometimes it feels like a little too close to the person and like they're not framed well, you know. And I I wonder if it's because they just like cut in or just put black bars on the four by three to make it a to make it two by thirty five by one, right? Oh, yeah. I I don't know if that's what they were doing, but yeah That's i know what it felt like <laughs> it seems like uh the the general way i think that could happen for sure but it, the general way a lot of directors shoot nowadays is they uh they shoot uh a lot bigger and a lot wider than they need to necessarily um and then frame it in right later right i mean that's what like uh fincher does right he shoots in like uh 8k and then frames it in in the editing right. um but no i, I but feel I, I just I, I really liked the four by three for that reason where like, you know, it's just, it, it really embodies the comic book panel. Um, I'm sure that's what they were going for, you know? Um, yeah, that has to be it. 
I mean, and also yeah. I want to say here, I mean, we can just shit on Joss Whedon. We can just shit on Joss Whedon. We can shit on Joss Whedon. <laughs> I don't even not but, like him. I, don't I know, like but him. that's what I'm about to say. But it's like, what are you supposed to do? You're Joss Whedon, and you've just been given like a two-third shot Zack Snyder movie. Like, how is that supposed to work? How is that supposed to work at all? That's like ridiculous. I, like the executives are at fault for this. That's so dumb. You're Joss you, Whedon you know they... and you've just been given a two thirds shot Zack Snyder movie. It's absurd. Well, it, it, it's just it's just so like you can tell it was such a fear based decision where they were just like, hey, Joss Whedon made it work before. Let's do it again. You know, and it's this like it's this like copycat mentality of like, hey, do what's worked before. You know, this it's such like a lazy fear based way of like thinking about something rather than thinking about like, you know, the principles of what makes something good or what makes a filmmaker good. Right. Because like if 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 they were thinking about the principles of the filmmaker, like honestly, I would have cho- chosen like a, a random over Joss Whedon because Joss Whedon's style is so dramatically different from uh, Zack Snyder's. Yeah. You know that obvious. Obviously, it's going to cl- clash. Right. Yeah. Um. But it's it's just it's I think it's it's an it's a sign that the executives who were behind it didn't really know what they were doing or what makes a good film, you know, and we're freaking out and like remembered that hey Joss Whedon made a great Avengers movie, I, let's yeah. go to him, you know exactly, um, and also it's like these executives have been like I I imagine I imagine it has to be this way. I don't know, but I imagine they have to be trying to just duplicate what Marvel's doing. And they have to be somewhat upset that they chose Snyder to do it because of course you <laughs> can't duplicate what Marvel's doing with Snyder, but no, they should just embrace that. I don't get that. Like Snyder is perfect for DC. Well, I've, I've, right. And I've been saying this for a long time that like, you know, like they need to embrace the next era of comic comic books essentially. Right. Cause like, at first, we started out with the Golden Age. Spider-Man changed that when it when they killed Gwen Stacy, right? And issued in the Silver Age of comics where everything got a little darker, right? And I would say, like, uh, who's it? Frank Miller with the Dark Knight, like, issued in a New Age yeah. of comics, which were, you know, which, like, they already had Batman or the Dark Knight, right? With Nolan. And, like, that's kind of what yes. DC's best known for, right? And, like, I think the mentality right now is that Marvel's a little campy, you know? So well, like DC they... has always had an edge, even just in the comics of being uh, edgier, you know, well, they can't actually... do the mainstream sort of comic thing. They never uh, competed well with Marvel on that. Well, I, I would push back a little bit on like, I think they were the campy ones in the golden age. Right. I think, I think Spider-Man brought in this like darker, uh, mentality towards comics because you know before before they killed spider-man's girlfriend you know it was just saving kids in school buses and you know yeah basically no i agree you know, but that's like so that, far where... that's so far back at the very beginning of them they were all just self-contained right, right. stories of like little great acts by heroes you know but like right. when they started becoming actual serialized stories um right, closer right. to like uh, actual prose um right. dc very much had uh embraced an edgier sensibility about them and that's how and, they and won I think that's but not, right. not, not I think how that's they won but to... how they won for themselves because none of them clearly right. won whereas well marvel had the more uh the more happy comical feel to it which is great but that's what they had yeah. and you shouldn't duplicate that you should try to embrace what dc was doing well 
So right, well, and DC has been darker for a long time, right? And like, and I honestly, I think that's just the direction comic books go in general because because I think artists recognize the need for like moral consequences and like harsh moral realities, right? In these stories, and at first, you can say it's all just about like the ideal person, but like then you have to understand that like beyond saying that, Oh, this is the ideal human and what we should strive for and what we should use as like this, uh, this, uh, beacon for how we should be right. Like we have to say, wait, but like, how can we say that when we ignore the darkness of the world? And like, that's kind of where artists naturally go with it. Right. Um, like we were just talking about with Superman earlier. Right. Um, and I, I think eventually we get to this point where like these these superhero films do get darker and darker and darker and closer and closer to reality, right? And that usually I think issues in the end of an era too. You know, so I know like Martin Scorsese has like a hatred for superhero movies in general. But like I, I really think that it's it's just like any other genre where you know his hatred for it might be just kind of like the lazy storytelling that we see right now in uh marvel films and i i do love marvel films but you always have to like take it with a grain of salt you know um like like they're optimistic to a fault and they uh use um deus ex machina to uh stop their characters from having to interact with darker decisions Right. Well, listen, that's not bad at all. Okay, I love Dave's <laughs> I actually do. I actually do. Well, I, it's I fine like when, when it that. works, right? When, when like it works in the context of your story, but I think when you're using it to like subvert reality, eh, you know, it's a no. Little... I, I feel you. I feel you. Yeah, but I would, um, I like, would obviously say a movie where God comes and saves everything would be amazing. But uh, <laughs> well, but but there's a difference between God and the writer, right? I know. Yeah. Um, like uh, I feel you. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Um. Yeah. Four by three aspect ratio. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. Uh, it made it feel like a comic book. Um. Yeah. You're right about that. I didn't notice that actually. Um. But I yeah I liked it just because it broke it up it made it uh, it made it different in my head as opposed to generic because mm-hmm. you watch a mainstream superhero movie and that's what you're expecting you're expecting a fairly generic, generic CGI experience um, but the nice thing is with the DC movies after Nolan we've had Snyder who makes it a little darker and now he did this aspect ratio thing which was really cool yeah um, yeah as far as like. As far as superhero movies go, I think honestly, Snyder and Nolan have had the best ones in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and like people are gonna hate me for saying this, but I love Man of Steel. Like, I think that that's a great movie purely because it's not a superhero movie and it's an alien invasion movie. And I think anytime someone kind of subverts the like genre of superheroes, you know, and turns it into something else. For example, like Winter Soldier is a spy thriller right Mm. um that's like the best marvel film in my opinion right yeah um easily i and and then like uh you know dark knight is a like tussle uh, existential tussle of like justice and morality 
between yeah. people that have extreme wildly different like you know takes on it you know and well the batman trilogy in general is more like a trilogy of crime films than it is superhero films you that's know? yeah that's very fair um but th- there's such a huge philosophical component to those Big you know time. and i would say especially the first two right um i think it i I think it the last one's it feels more like an epilogue than than a third part in my opinion. Hmm. You know where we're kind of meeting the end of Batman where um whereas like I feel like the first two, you know, like Razal Ghul coming in with this like the ends justify the means, right? And Batman opposing that. Um and exploring every aspect of that and then in the second one you know, once, you know, Batman wins out in the first argument, so to speak, you know, you have this man that wants to watch the world burn. Right? Yeah. And like how his version of morality can exist in the face of like pure chaotic evil, which was awesome because in the end you realize it can't. Right. Yeah, he has it, to it can only exist with. Yeah. He has to compromise and he has to lie. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a noble lie. And Yeah. Um, which was an amazing ending to that film right um but like you know in in the absence of nolan because that's just way too high of a standard for like <laughs> a lot of these superhero films also like, I think- is there a superhero you can really do that with uh, the mainstream one that isn't batman you know it's sort of funny to me uh, that i'd make best- an argument for spider-man yeah, I but you love Spider Man. The best philosophical, <laughs> like the higher philosophical you could go with a superhero is like one that's just a man that's just trained himself, you know? Um, right, right. Um, well, I mean, Batman does also have all the, in the words of kick ass, all the expensive shit that doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but like, I, I think that's also why Spider Man's works so well is because he's not that super, right? Like, he, like if a gun shoots him, he'll still die. You know, yeah, that's true. Um, like, and and I think the piece of that that makes it extremely um, intense is that he's a kid, and I think a lot of uh, a lot of Spider-Man films forget that. Yeah, um, I uh, I literally just rewatched the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy and the two with Andrew Garfield over the mm-hmm. last week, just because I was like, "Fuck it, I want to rewatch these." Um, right. And I know that me and you both had the same impression of Spider-Man from a certain comic book series. I believe it's called Ultimate Spider-Man. Is that right? Yeah, Yeah. that series is the definitive Spider-Man. I don't care it didn't come first or any shit like that. (laughs) It's It's the definitive Spider-Man. I found on LibGen, man, LibGen, I found a link to the pirated copies of all the issues of the Ultimate Spider-Man. So I might have to... uh, take a huge nostalgia i actually i actually have all of them if you want to borrow them (laughs) (laughs) um i I, i've actually read like almost every single spider-man universe but yeah um yeah i i kind of i kind of like spider-man a lot because in a lot of ways i think that it's it's brighter than batman but it also is darker than batman in a lot of respects yeah Um, i was uh i'd say it's more tragic than batman I don't know about that, but I was a Batman. This is a, this is a, you know, I'm not a huge fan of superhero shit, honestly, but Batman was my childhood hero, 100%. Um, And secondarily, it was Spider-Man. I used to, like, as a five-year-old kid, sleep in my Batman costume. Um, Yeah. I love Batman, so. 
Yeah, uh, Batman's well, I mean, like, better. Okay. And literally, we can justify it for making reasonable arguments, or we can just say that's our childhood favorites, and we can move on. Well, hold on, hold on. Before, I think that Batman generally, I think DC in general actually uses darker colors um, and uses the darker style, right? Where I think Marvel has always been more colorful, but then like usually in Spider Man, he loses everybody around him that he loves and he has he can have no semblance of a life. And I think like the thing that makes it darker is that it's more about Peter Parker, less about Spider Man. Right. That's and true. It's more about how his whole life falls apart. Where like Batman's like it, Batman's about Batman, right? And his villains, I say are I would I would argue that his villains are darker than Spider Man's. But I think Spider-Man's reality is darker than Batman's. I mean, that's true right. to a certain degree. Batman loses most people other than Alfred and the one Robin that became uh, Nightcrawler. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, otherwise, They're they almost Nightwing. all yeah. end up dying in a horrific way as well. Um, yeah. And so, but where this that's, is not an argument about <laughs> Spider-Man versus Batman. No, you're Batman. making good points. You're making good points. <laughs> as I said, but, we can um, just justify it with reasonable arguments, or we can just admit that you love Spider-Man and I love Batman. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> um, Spider-Man is great. Um, I will admit that. Best Marvel character. Great. Yeah. And best DC character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I think that Batman has had a. Uh, Batman has been justified in cinema where I think that Spider-Man has yet to see his like and that is a future episode that we need to do which is your take on Spider-Man movies because um, we know <laughs> this is fair. a lifelong dream and it would be a good episode yeah but we should get back to Justice League um, for sure so one thing I was interested in uh, was the handling not of just the lore of the situation they were in but the villains in general number one yeah. Uh, Steppenwolf has a completely different look in Snyder's version, mm -hmm. which is preferable. The first one makes him look a little weirder, just like a man with some horns. This one makes him <laughs> right. feel like he's, you know, an arch Alien. minion of a dark evil army. Um, yeah. But also the lore surrounding it. I don't think we got to see Darkseid in, uh, in uh yeah, Whedon's correct version. me if i'm wrong was but was in the backstory like in the in the flashback of the whole war with like the old gods and um the dark side was that actually just steppenwolf in zach's in uh joss whedon's cut yeah it was and then in, in snyder's it's uh dark side yeah that's so weird um, and not, not only that <laughs> but also the the visions of the future that batman and the other characters have I think that's like yeah. that shit's nearly completely cut or like cut down significantly in Whedon's version as well, which is like all yeah. the work he's doing. Snyder's doing as a storyteller to like set up this DC universe. Mm. Um, it sort of just gets chucked in the trash can by Whedon um, in favor of things like a random Russian family hostage situation, which is right. Right. So I, I was wondering something though, like maybe this will be explained in the next like movie, but how did Darkseid like just forget what planet it was on? That is something here. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm like, maybe, maybe like he got, he actually died or something and they had to bring him back and he like lost his memory. I don't, I don't know, but like, I hope they explain it. Cause that felt a little weird to me that like his singular defeat, you know, was on a planet that he just forgets. You know? Yeah. And not only that, but like, he's like, Oh, he makes a point to being like, Oh, you discovered that there's the three, the three cube things. What are they called? Uh, on yeah, this yeah. world like holy shit that's the world 
but the like that's like it seems oddly downplayed in a sense where it's like you're right, right. Like, you right. should know where it's at and like like <laughs> and want to go back massive. there as soon as possible yeah that's right. like fucking massive um right we got our ancient little cube like technology back with like those priests in the that are you right. know, projecting it out but uh it was interesting right. that that definitely i definitely had some weird uh thoughts about that as well but the yeah. villain is a lot better um oh 100 and whedon's version I, you get like no character work on him whatsoever whereas here you get a you get the feeling that he's been cast out that he's sort of on a, a journey to prove himself you know yeah, I also really was intrigued at like the flash forward of like the possible future where like Superman was like holding Batman's head and like Darkseid was almost like this father figure to him. Yeah. You know, like that was extremely intriguing to me and I kind of want to know more about that. And I think that was kind of like alluded to at the end when they were having that like like having that uh like scene where it, it was weird on it was like on a bridge and it had like joker there and like a yeah. bunch of the other characters and like it was this alternate reality almost or maybe like just some future i think it's know? a premonition of like Zack Snyder's uh vision of where justice league would have gone or the dc universe um right because he right. alludes to it in batman versus superman as well you know right so um so i wonder if that's where it's going and like it would be it would be cool if it was more something where um that was what was inevitable, you know? I think that's um, the idea of, like, the cost of bringing Superman back. What's the cost of that? Um, because right, you, right. Right, like, that's something that's not really addressed um, in this movie, necessarily, is that Superman comes back and he's an evil motherfucker and wants to kill everyone. <laughs> and then right. he gets calmed down because the girl he loves uh, shows up. Um, and I feel right, like... She dies, yeah. That's where he that's... wants to build. Um which yeah. would be interesting, right? Which would be a lot different way of handling it. Marvel also, oh, we're going to kill half of reality. We're going to kill half of life. But in Zack yeah. Snyder's version, apocalyptic wasteland with God, <laughs> the God man, destroying everything, you know? Right, right. Um, well, and it's it's a cool moral question, right? Because, like, it really, it really, um, it really brings weight back to the whole Batman versus Superman argument, yeah. you know? of like should one person wield that much power um yeah and it honestly like undercuts the kind of stuff that i don't like personally like i think is boring about superman which is the unwavering morality yeah right um and you know like when you have super overpowered characters like that they're usually better as the bad guy which i think is something that marvel has always done consistently better than um than dc um which is just the corruption of power in general um i feel like you don't see that that often in dc and you kind of have like emotional corruption and like stuff like that but they don't really address how like god god like power can corrupt someone's morality well one you thing know? i'll say is the villains outside of Nolan's Batman movies have been far better in the Marvel movies, even though Steppenwolf was yeah. a huge improvement compared to Joss Whedon's version. Almost every Avengers villain was better than Steppenwolf. Um, yeah. Well, and, and I think that's just because I think that's just, that's just because Marvel in general is just more, um, more on a human level. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I, I hate when people bring up the argument, like, like 
who would win in a fight, DC or Marvel? Like, obviously DC. Like, every fucking, like, comic is about some intergalactic threat, right? Where, yeah. like, Marvel, like, everything's a lot more, like, brought down to human, right? Which I would argue usually makes for better writing. Like, I think Stanley in general is just, like, is a lot more um, adept than a lot of these other comic books. No, it's uh, true. It, it's true. Like, um, Batman is the only... Uh real even though he's presented as sort of like a man of that's equal to these godlike figures when you think of the power that a wonder woman has and a, a super a right. superman and a green lantern have i mean compared to captain america it feels like each <laughs> one of them should stupid, be able to right? beat up captain america easily you know well like they would be able to instantly kill him like it's yeah. not even it's not even a like i hate when people try to make these comparisons like superman alone could probably destroy most of the marvel universe yeah right um it's it, and honestly, like I like it that way because I personally enjoy superheroes that are um, only just above human. Yeah, right? that are only slightly su- more super because going 15, 20 levels above super, you just kind of lose perspective. And honestly, like I think it's so like um, it's so weird uh, because like I feel like something that's addressed in something like uh, um, you know Phoenix and Marvel. Um, which is Jean Grey when she comes back to life, like she just goes fucking nuts with power, yeah. Right? Because she has the ability to kind of like reconstruct matter and shit, and like she turns into a fucking villain, right? Yeah. And that's exactly what would happen, right? If humans around you became like literally as insignificant as ants, like you wouldn't have like the moral compass that like most humans have. Yeah, you know? I mean, like it's, it's uh. This is why Watchmen is one of the great superhero movies of all time because I mean, this is this is Doctor Manhattan's whole struggle. Um, right. But yeah, go for it. <laughs> yeah, um, and then you have the Batman figure, Rorschach, you know. Right, uh, and, but, and yeah, like I feel like a lot of art Marvel fans would come back at me and be like, "Oh, what about like Red Hulk and shit?" But like I, I'm I'm just talking about like the base heroes, you know, not like 300 issues in. Yeah, you know, <laughs> um, but. Yeah, no, I I personally have always thought that, like, Marvel always focuses a lot more on the human aspect and usually, like, the alter egos, you know? And I felt that that's always a more noble focus than um, focusing on who can shoot a stronger uh, laser beam. No, that's very true. You know? (laughs) Um, But it's, it's, it's something that I think that DC has actually been doing a little better because of Nolan and Snyder. Yeah. Um, and Infinity War was was a great a great film in my opinion. Like I think that was an awesome cap to the Marvel universe. And Endgame was a little worse in my opinion. Like I think they had the, such a great villain is the is the thing. That's where it really fell off for me. It, it, yeah. Infinity War. It was a movie about Thanos, and you actually like, right. <laughs> I don't well, know if they intended it, yeah. this, but you grew to like Thanos, and then just making well, no, him go no, I think they crazy totally evil. Intended that because making him go when you, crazy evil out of nowhere was sort of and uh, we, we talked about this, right? Exactly, but we talked about this, and like in Infinity War, you literally had the hero's journey, right? It was yeah. it was the hero's journey. It was from the classic mythic structure for right, exactly, yeah. right, and it was it was fucking awesome because you only realize that like eighty percent through, and then you're like, oh my god, Thanos is the main character, yeah, right, <laughs> and that was fucking sweet. And like you said, go, making him just abandon his ideals in favor of being someone that they can justifiably kill, yeah, 
right? Like the whole like, oh, I'm just going to fucking destroy the whole universe now. That li- doesn't line up at all, at, yeah. literally at all with who he was. And they just like the, it, it felt like they needed to make him more evil to justify what he was doing. Right. Where like I think a better. Honestly, it's just that one line. If they had just not made that one line, I would not be that angry. But it's literally that, oh, I am going to create a universe teeming a life that is not sad with whatever is lost, but only knows that what it what it, it has gained, you know? Um, right, right. <laughs> Which, was, like... It's yeah, funny no, how, I, how easily you can ruin a character, honestly. There's right, right. critical where, moments like, where you can just super fumble the ball. Well, I think the problem was they didn't they didn't know how to how to defeat Thanos without letting the heroes be wrong. Right. And I think the answer was to let the fucking heroes be wrong like Dark Knight and make a fucking amazing movie. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> like that's that's what's great about these superhero films that you don't necessarily have to like. Sure, we're striving for these ideals, but like you can you can strive for a lie too, you know, and that's sometimes more interesting than yeah. um than being right. And I think that the reason why Thanos was so interesting is because like he's he's technically right, and you see that at the beginning of Endgame where like the whole world's better for it. Right? Yeah. And I thought it would have been a lot more interesting to focus on that front um than to um just tr- just like edit Thanos's character really quickly so you can be like well see look he's actually the baddest guy you know yeah. we better kill him <laughs> you know and i think the introduction of captain marvel and her and her like how she was put in also kind of put a dampener on it cuz they had to they essentially had to write her out of the movie because she was so powerful yeah, I mean, right, Captain have, Marvel is essentially the Superman of Marvel, and but the thing is, not in the comic books. They they overpowered her in the films, you know, yeah. which I felt like was was a mistake. You know, they they made her way too. I can't even. I don't know why they made her like so strong. Like, yeah, it's pretty I mean, weird. And then yeah, you're um, right; she's like barely there, and you're like, well, why did you have to wait for this there. Right? They had to make her barely there because like. There was no like if she had been there the whole time, she would have just beat everyone single handedly. Her whole point Mar- really is just to find fucking Iron Man and crew in in space. And like, that's why right. she got a whole movie <laughs> dedicated to herself. Right. And like th- and the problem is they turned her into Superman in the process. And Marvel has no room for Superman. Yeah. Right. And Thanos like, is supposed to be Superman. For exactly. Right. And making making a hero that can compete with that, they just had to be like, oh well, like like uh, you, she had other places to be in the universe because there's other other aliens, other places. Right? <laughs> yeah. and it's like, no, this is the epicenter of everything that's going on. Like you need yeah. to be here, right? <laughs> like, like if this is the strongest hero, and they're trying to reverse the flow of the fucking universe, like obviously she should be there, right? And like that kind of thing made the writing like kind of shitty right and like maybe it's not completely their fault because like the the creators of captain mar the marvel captain marvel movie like they're a little at fault for making her that strong right they shouldn't have made her that strong um but they did and then like they instead of trying to work that into the film somehow you know they just were like oh she's somewhere else and that felt like a total cop-out yeah you know but I don't know. I don't know. Um, it, honestly, in terms of in terms of 
Like, if I had to take Zack Snyder's Justice League and put that up against Infinity War and Endgame together, I would actually say Zack Snyder's Justice League takes the cake. Like, Infinity War is better, in my opinion, than this. Yeah. But Endgame's a lot worse. And, um... Yeah, it's better than Endgame, but worse than Infinity War. Yeah. Yeah, Um, I would agree with that. Infinity War was super awesome, though. Like, I'd argue that's the second best Marvel movie next to... Um, Winter Soldier. Yeah, I mean, for nostalgia's um, sake, I might say Iron. The first Iron Man competes with it. But that's yeah, that one's really good too. It off. Um, yeah, and actually, to kind of run it back to the whole like uh, director's synergy thing, like I think taking who was the director of Iron Man again? What was his name? Uh, it was the guy who started it all. I can't believe I'm. Yeah, it's happy, right? Uh, John Favreau. Yeah, John Favreau. Fa- Favreau. Favreau. John Favreau. He is. Like his style, like I think I think he's a, a way better filmmaker than Joss Whedon, but his style actually fits with Joss Whedon's, right? Exactly. And I think <laughs> I think that's why Avengers was good, right? Because like, yeah, like, it'd be one thing if they got like fucking Nolan to come in and finish up Snyder's movie. Exactly. But, right. That that would have yeah. been amazing, right? But yeah. like, why would you get someone whose style clashes so hard with, uh, and and like this is the thing is you 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 really don't like Joss Whedon, right? Like I actually kind of like joss wheaton like i think that he he is someone that like isn't a great director but has a lot of heart in his films and like can somehow capture the magic of cinema while shooting extremely standard kind of actually poorly shot i'll say i'll say this (laughs) for joss wheaton i saw avengers the first avengers movie in theaters and i remember that was like a huge moment for most people was like the first avengers movie was insanely good for most people they couldn't believe how much fucking fun it was to watch in theaters and i had that experience yeah. in theaters i had that experience well and but you is, rewatch it are... for the first time yeah. it is not <laughs> nearly as good at all it's sort of really generic so i, I think i think it's honestly it's it's the times right like yeah. It, the like standard for superheroes back then was not what it is now yeah right um but like the thing is like i i i love firefly and i think buffy the vampire slayer is really fun and like i think he does a really good job at t- making things really fun and he's a little like um no i think he's my mind he's i think it's good for tv i also yeah. enjoyed firefly in my mind, he he reminds me a lot of uh, the creator of Community and Rick and Morty. What's his name again? Dan Harmon. Yeah. Right. Not not any any way style. Right. Like their styles are totally different, but they both have like this really um, this um, eye that looks for scope. I would say like there's just these running um, kind of like uh, story like sub storylines that run through the entirety of their series, right? Which make them really good at being showrunners, right? Um, and, and like when, when you watch things like Rick and Morty, you can watch every episode individually, but when you watch them in order, you see these like long running storylines. Right. Yeah. And I think that Joss Whedon does the same thing. Right. And I think that that's, that's a trait that makes a really good showrunner. I would, I would actually be really interested to see what kind of like comedy series, uh, Dan Harmon could, uh, turn into some like, uh, uh, cinematic universe. Yeah. Um, but anyways, like, I don't see either of them as being masters of their craft, right? Um, I don't see either of them going out and striving to create incredible new, like, ways to shoot something. You know, they, they've always been pr- very, I think both of them have been very standard. I'd say Dan Harmon's a little better at recognizing, like, um, 
film tropes and like just style stylistic uh, similarities between things right um but like joss whedon's not someone that i would go to and be like or that i would send someone to and be like okay look watch this guy's movie to see how he makes it right like it, when you watch avengers it's extremely like standard how everything's shot right and I think that's just how he kind of works. Like he's very, very like you can tell he originates from TV, you know, where yeah. like the goal is to get through the workday as fast as possible. <laughs> True. You know, um, whereas someone like when you take someone like Nolan, you can see like a lot, a lot of intention put behind every single moment and every single shot and every single angle, every single edit, you know, every single line. Right. Like, the intention is all there and it creates a lot of um value for a rewatch because there's so much baked into every single moment you know whereas something like avengers when it's when there's i would say like less care put into the moment to moment stuff um you know it's good it's fun it's a great first watch and like i think when people rewatch it they really rewatch it for the moments rather than to like garner like something new from it right yeah it's and, not a, it's not rewatchable it's a it's a one-off very much so right but it was super fun in theaters no it was it. an experience like that was the first time yeah. i had um in a long time a super amazing theater experience and that was like a moment too like that was a genuine cultural moment was when adventures first came out um yeah and something that i think that way Joss in like in Joss Whedon's defense I think something that he's actually really good at is like understanding the like generic mindset of the audience right like I've never seen someone able to create more hype out of a lot of like a large audience you know? yeah no he understands his, his people um right right that said now let's shit on Joss Whedon for a moment um <laughs> If you okay. look into this, I have read uh, a lot of articles and apparently a leak that someone posted on Reddit that is backed up by a lot of these articles that have come out in the years since of mm -hmm. the sort of saga of Joss Whedon taking over the Justice League movie. Okay. And apparently there was a shit ton of drama on the set. It got really? so bad that Ben Affleck tried to convince all of the actors to walk off the set at one point to... Really? Yeah, protest the production of the film until they could get what they wanted. Apparently, yeah, he was in constant, like, full-on, red-faced yelling arguments with Gal Gadot. He okay. rewrote and reshot almost about every cyborg scene um, and against the actor's wishes. Um, okay. And uh, in, in you know general, <laughs> he, was, he was in constant arguments with the writer. I think the, the original writer wanted his name to be taken off the film. I don't know if he got that. Um, <laughs> he was forbidden by producers of interacting with certain actors without a certain representative there. So yeah. in general, it, it appears to be that his finishing of the production was a hellish experience for the, the crew sure. and the cast. Well, and um, I would blame that almost entirely on the clashing of the styles. Cause I could see, like, I think one of the big problems with, with hiring Joss Whedon at this point to do this is that he's probably like his ego is probably like fucking to the moon. Josh after, Peter. like yeah, after fucking like doing Marvel for so long and being yeah, there was, so massively successful. Like dude, how, he had this how line. Could someone not be 
you know. <laughs> in the leak or in one of the articles I read, apparently he was quoted as saying, I don't take notes from Robert Downey fucking Jr. Why would I take them from you to one of the actors? I think it was See, it's, it's, it's a status thing, right? Yeah. Like he's saying yeah. that he's saying Robert Downey Jr. is so above you. Why would I take a note <laughs> for that's that's what he's saying, right? He's he's yeah. seeing it as this kind of like competition when it's not, right? Like filmmaking is not a competition. Like, but also why that's right. the problem with hiring in a uh, director to finish up someone else's work. Why is he going right. to take this seriously in the first place? You know, it's like, that's right. part well, of the it, reason like, Oh, I'm going to, I have to finish this up this thing that I'm not even technically <laughs> going to get credit for in the first place, um, right, which right. he didn't, uh, you know, why should he not act like an asshole other than to be a good human being, obviously, but like the incentives right, are right. all fucked as well, you know? Right. And and the problem is like his ego is probably to the fucking moon. Cause like, why would it not be after yeah. he was so massively su- successful with Marvel? He, he, he would probably think his word is gospel walking through the door, right? Walking in to like take over this project. And then on top of that, his style so massively clashes with Zack Snyder's that yeah. like, like people have to understand when when you're making a film like this is so you're so entrenched in like perspective right that like your like every single little aspect of like uh, of your being comes out in this film and I, I i talk about this all the time where like if you have a movie where like and this is just an example right but like i i like to talk about cleanliness in films and like how clean the world is and usually when the world's like immaculate, the person's a dirty person, right? They, they they leave shit around their house. It's like like most of their shit's disgusting. Like they don't care about where they burp and stuff, right? <laughs> They're that kind yeah. of person. The reason that their world's immaculate is because they don't they don't perceive um they don't perceive dirtiness in their sure. world or or like uh, messiness in their world, right? So therefore it doesn't exist, right? So everything is immaculate. Whereas like you watch um uh like something else and like you you watch like let's say Martin Scorsese right and like a lot of a lot of the stuff in his like a lot of the characters in his worlds are like fucking disgusting right they yeah. leave shit all over the place and Travis it, Pickle. You, right exactly and and the reason that that can exist is because he he sees that in the world and it bothers him right he's probably a very clean person himself right but like he understands the concept of like a place being disgusting. Yeah. Right. Therefore it can exist within his like film universe. Right. And like something as small as that being able to like be translated from a film. Right. Means that like people's entire perspectives about everything shows up in their style and like in how they create films. So like when you take people whose styles are so fucking massively different, like like Zack Snyder and Joss Whedon, of course there's gonna be like, of course nothing's gonna make sense, right? And I think the problem is a lot of these producers aren't looking at it this way, right? They they are seeing oh superhero movie, who's done super superhero movies well? Oh Joss Whedon, let's bring him in to finish this because he does good superhero, right? That's stupid, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's that's literally the extent of the thought process. Yeah, right. It really is. And and there's there there's almost no concern for like the intricacies of how film gets made, which like even even the, the smallest amount isn't that complicated, right? Just understanding someone's generic style. Like anybody that you talk to could look at three hundred 
and look at fucking Firefly and say these people have nothing in common. Yeah, they're incompatible. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, and having 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 uh, producers that are so lost that those stylistic differences are like so uh, so like devoid for them is concerning. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I, think, I feel like that's how it got fucked in the. It, it, the Justice League movie was fumbled initially by the executives. It has to be. Yeah. It has to solely be on their shoulders. Right. And um, we can blame Joss Whedon, sure. But, like, honestly, like, I... <laughs> like, any anybody would be... Anybody would have some ego after, like, seeing the success of... Like, ima- imagine the success of Marvel and like basically single-handedly propping up cinema for the last fucking decade. Yeah. Right. Ima- imagine that being your doing, right? Who the fuck would not have an ego after that? Yeah, that's true. You know, that's, it's, it's insane to like think that like this guy could leave his ego at the doorstep and finish someone else's work. It right? is. Especially it's someone interesting. I also yeah. wonder exactly what the situation was. I wonder if Snyder got kicked out essentially. Um, maybe because uh, what's the calculation there? Honestly, what's the calculation of Snyder has family emergency. So executive goes to the whiteboard and has to calculate money lost, but what's the money? How much are you paying fucking Joss Whedon? Cause you must be paying out the ass for Joss Whedon. So I really yeah. wonder what the calculation is. And I think um, family emergency isn't really cutting it. They must've been, and they recognized they were wrong, frankly, because they're giving Snyder Bank the movie to some degree, unless that's a great marketing play. But right. um, I think uh, I think maybe well, I they mean, were. No, they're definitely giving it back to him because they let him do like tons of reshoots, which I can't imagine didn't cost yeah. millions and millions. Right. Oh, yeah. I think they spent tens of millions on this. I think they did. Right, right. I think I heard something like that, at least over 10. Um, right. So it, it's interesting. Uh, I do hope as well. One thing that we should focus on is. I do hope as well they continue, honestly. There does need to be a counterbalance to Marvel. And I do like that their direction has been to give it to people like Snyder and Nolan. And also the guy who did Hangover, I forget him, but the Joker movie was fun. I really think that's the direction they should be going. They should not be trying to do a carbon copy of Marvel and hiring people like... No, they should be getting darker, right? Exactly. They should be be giving a place for the audience to progress. Because I think that's, that's... the weakest part of Marvel right now. I'm interested this... in, and we have yeah. good signals that way. We have a Matthew Vaughn movie coming out for the new Batman. Yeah. So I'm fingers crossed. <laughs> I think they, I think they're getting it. I think they got that Joker and R rated movie was super successful. Um, right. So. Yeah. And if Matthew see. Vaughn can bring kick-ass vibes to, uh, <laughs> to DC, <laughs> that's going to be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So I think I think Marvel kind of like made a really big mistake. Right. And that was not ending with Endgame. Right? <laughs> um, yeah, but that, that's because... such a brave thing to do. That's such a brave thing to do. I can't blame sure. them, but you can't leave. But, I mean, your new Spider-Man guy who's bringing hundreds of millions of dollars dead on the ground, you know, just can't but do it. But at the same time, they're going to milk the cow dry. Right. They're yeah. going to they're going to milk it till it's dead. You know, and and then like, <laughs> like they're they've run Star Wars into the ground, and like to be fair, they're they're doing a little better with the TV shows now, right? But like, well, I think they realized they, they needed to they need to pump the brakes a bit. 
Um, right, right. Well, and and the I think the problem with Marvel right now is just that like it's 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 over, right? You you finished like the and and what I mean by that is not that there's not more uh there's not more Marvel villains to be had or anything like that, right? Because there, there are, right? There's a fucking plethora, right? Yeah. But this is this is something that I've used as a rule of thumb for any TV show, and it's held true so far that like every sh- show loses steam when the um, arc, the story arc that you introduced in season one, episode one, ends. Yeah. Right. They started this Marvel universe with the Infinity Stones. Right. That was the whole fucking point. Right. We just we got all the way to the end of that arc with Thanos, and now we ended. Right. Sure, you're going to have the fans that want to keep watching. Right. But what's better? Right. Fans that want more and don't get it and will come back die hard when you come back with a reboot. Right. Or like a new universe. Or would you rather like lose these people and like start hemorrhaging viewers with every movie? Right. Until like literally no one wants to see Marvel movies anymore. Right. Well, that's an that's that brings forward another interesting point as well, which is I agree with what you're saying, and I think uh, they're essentially just going to go the Disney Plus route and sort of just turn all these existing characters into uh, TV shows, and then maybe right. in the future do some new movies, a new reboot, and they'll probably be making like one-off movies with like Spider-Man for forever. Um, well, I mean, and, Sony has to, right? To yeah, keep their exactly but uh <laughs> that's I, i'm like that's one of the things i'm counting on for to be able to do my yeah. spider-man trilogy <laughs> like, probably i know <laughs> i know sony has to keep making them so eventually like <laughs> eventually i might get my shot yeah but even look at that even look at sony's with the spider-man how they're doing both the animated ones and the ones with the marvel and that's my point right. here is like if you look at dc one of the things i like that they're doing is even though i do hope they continue down the Zack snyder out because i want to see the finished picture there's nothing worse than a half-finished story but right. i do like that even at the same time that they're going to possibly continue Zack snyder's version of the dc universe they're also doing a matthew vaughn batman and they're also doing a, a different kind of joker you know and that's also right. like a unique uh track to take which is like um, they kind of just direct do the existing own, yeah. comic book as because that's how comic books are in the first place is you have right. the ultimate spider-man and the amazing spider-man and it's like different universes <laughs> right, right. Uh, all going on at the same time and i like that i like that right. it's not um it's not too controlled so it's either you got to be smart in your control of it like you're talking about or right. you allow it to be uh sort of chaotic uh um like these you know, western land right. of storytelling so yeah um but i think dc is going to have an opportunity here where like um basically we're gonna have we're, we're, we're gonna have marvel losing steam losing viewers like you know like the problem is there's no way they're gonna be able to keep up the momentum that they've had from the beginning because their beginning arc has ended right they're gonna have to like start a whole new arc introduce all new characters like still try to throw things back to like the previous arc and like it, it's gonna be a fucking mess right yeah like it's going to be so hard to maintain viewers. And I I don't think I've seen any TV shows that have success. I mean, besides like some animes that have like done it like decently well. Um, I'm going to point to the guy that made like Yu Yu Hakusho and Hunter x Hunter, which like those are fucking amazing. And he's, he's a master at like pushing um, arcs 
uh, back and forward and like kind of finding new arcs and new styles to like show his shows in. But the one thing that he always does is once that season one arc ends, he fucking ends it. Right. Yeah. That's it. It's over. Right. And he fits like 10 story arcs between those things, but like he understands that. And I think that that creates really good, a really good series. Right. Yeah. And like when, when you have the infinity stones arc, like that's, that's what this whole Marvel universe was about. And what you could do is fucking wait five years, you know, maybe 10 years and just like reboot the whole thing and start over. Right. And start a new arc. Maybe like watch what DC is doing, see how they get darker, you know, let them have their chance in the limelight and then come back full force Marvel, like with a full ass game plan starting from movie one, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, be smart. And, yeah. I mean, they own Fox now. So like, why not like just start over, you know, you could continue but, on with some of these characters like Guardians of the Galaxy and so on, but like, why not start yeah. over, but start off with like a new X-Men or something. Cause now you have, they the need X-Men. their money now Quaid and they will take their money now until it dries, And That's why these Marvel up. characters are all going to be transitioned <laughs> to a TV show. Um, yeah, and they can just continue on. I don't know if you saw, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier trailer that came out like some days ago. Um, I didn't actually. And of course, the Loki trailer, and they had the Scarlet Witch show come out recently. So yeah. it's interesting, but that's where it's going. Um, but, anyways, Justice League. Do we have any final things we want to say about Justice League? I mean, honestly, we said it all, frankly. It's better than yeah. Whedon's. They have complete story arcs, they have setups and payoffs, which Joss Whedon, frankly, just didn't have. It was really rushed. Um, they set up an entire universe essentially, um, to compete with Marvel's. Um, it was great. Uh, you know, was, something that I'm interested in is um is Green Lantern because the last one was so bad that it Ronald ruined, Reynolds, <laughs> Reynolds' career, <laughs> it almost ruined his career, right? Um, luckily he just like embraced how bad it was and like, you know, <laughs> there's that scene. That was such an odd back to choose as well. But, uh, there's that yeah. scene where he's eating like, uh, what is it? Like sauerkraut or something or, uh, horseradish yeah. on like crackers. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know why the villain is, but, um, that scene in green lantern <laughs> is like, uh, imprinted into my brain, into the very fabric of my brain where he's just eating like horseradish on crackers. Um, yeah. But I think about that probably <laughs> once a month than I have ever since I've seen it. Yeah. So. Well, the reason that I'm interested in this is because like, I think that Green Lantern is one of the most interesting comic book heroes, right? Just because like his, his power has so much to do with the power of his imagination. And like a lot of his, like a lot of his comic books are so fucking weird and mind bending that like yeah. you could make some crazy fucking movies and like about this dude. Right. And, like, if they just chose not to go with, like, like in, instead of going with, like, the traditional, like, superhero movie route where, like, you know, you show him getting his powers by minute 15 and then you introduce the villain, introduce a romantic interest, have some sort of fight, he almost loses and then comes back and, like, wins the day, right? Instead of doing that format, like, if they were just like, hey, we're going to, like, follow this random Earth dude as he, like, as he, like, has to go through this ordeal within his own mind where he's, like, becoming worthy of this ring. And it's going to be fucking weird and fucking trippy. And, like, you know, and we're going to we're going to make this, like, almost a horror film that happens within this own dude's head. Right. And that's like, the thing the DC universe is set up for. And I hope right, they pull right. the trigger on. 
Honestly. And I'm like, that would be awesome if they made a rated R movie that was like, that was that kind of film about this dude's power because they could make his power like extremely dark because he has to, he has to like battle the, like the innermost like uh, recesses of, of his mind that are yeah, like the darkest, it's all compulsory, right? right? Like, right. Can you control all your thoughts? I can't. <laughs> right. I struggle with that. And he that. has to be able to for his power, right? Yeah. So like, to be to have a film about that what if you just think really what if i killed my best friend you know and, you just did it. Um, <laughs> and like and and that's the kind of thing that i think would be really interesting in terms of like creating a world within his head and having him have to like find this measure of control and like have the whole film be about that and have the end be him like acquiring the ring yeah right? i mean that's the future like, in general frankly i like i said i just rewatched the classic sam raimi trilogy of spider-man movies and then i watched the andrew garfield ones again and you there is a very generic superhero formula and even though you can find some some very good uh standout uh, examples of that formula no it's first batman the first iron man and so on it is so i I would say that i would say the first two sam raimi spider-mans too oh yeah Yeah. absolutely 100 percent. that's what i'm saying like it is so predictable and i'm just watching the sam raimi spider-man and i'm like this movie is so predictable from route to route. After watching yeah. all the superhero movies I've watched since that's come out, you can't right. even you almost can't even enjoy it, even though you remember how much you loved it as a kid. Because it's like well, I think it's still enjoyable for the fact that they were like they were the first ones to pull it off like massively in yeah, but a it's massively nostalgia. way. Like I can't actually even get into it anymore just on my own <laughs> on my own level because it's like damn this technique is so it's so busted it's so used it's so common day anymore yeah um, and i think they like, forget to make their movie about something else you know yeah <laughs> like they're just like let's let's use the formula and hope it works genuinely bro. um genuinely yeah. and that's what you're saying about the green lantern thing like any superhero movie green lantern especially would be suited for it but like any superhero movie would uh would really do for a nice uh change up in the formula well i mean like think about let's think about any film that we thought was an amazing superhero movie right man of steel that's not a superhero movie that's an alien invasion film true right that's literally an alien invasion film where one of the aliens is on our side yeah we don't even really get the whole origin shit of him like figuring out his powers it's just that right that's like in the background right like the entire beginning is like this this like feud between his father and zod about like what like what the future of their race should be i mean also even though i don't like the new spider-man and the new spider-man movies the best decision they made with them was to ignore the origin um yeah i think so too and i i think the thing is that's actually the main reason why i wouldn't consider it a good spider-man film is because like because of that but i think they're actually good superhero films in general it's just like they made the character kid iron man not spider-man yeah right um, and they put the Spider-Man skin on him. And that's that's how it feels. It's like, I, I think. But the, only the, the decision one. to ignore an origin yeah. movie and the same formula that goes along with it was nice. As much as I agree yeah. with you, I, he is definitely kid Iron Man. And they sort of yeah. like devalue all the uniqueness of Spider-Man by doing that. But fuck right, it. Right, right. Um, can I just say something that pisses me off, by the way? Sure. About Spider-Man. Like, without with great power comes great responsibility is literally the most famous line in all of comics. Right. Yeah. It's quintessential to the Spider-Man universe. And I hate how all these like fucking 
fucking new Spider-Man reboots have like tried so hard not to say it for some reason. Yeah. When it's like literally the fucking point, right? Like you don't have to paraphrase that line. It's famous for a reason. It's in every single fucking Spider-Man universe, right? Not saying it is basically the same as being like, well, Spider-Man's been red and blue in a lot of these other comics. Maybe we should try orange out, you know? Like, Yeah, no, it's like, very dumb. Fuck? It's like making a Macbeth. Yeah. Uh, um, a Macbeth. Or, uh, no, not a Macbeth. Which is the other one? Fuck. Is it Macbeth to be or... No, Macbeth is not oh, to be Oh, sorry. Be. Hamlet, Hamlet. Hamlet, yeah. exactly. Yeah, to you be or not exactly to be. exactly where right. I was going. Yeah. It's like trying to rewrite to be or not to be. It's so dumb. Right. Um, and it's... Yeah, exactly. And it's like, it's so it's so iconic for that series and like it's it's the most famous comic book line for a reason is because it's so profound right and like it's literally the insight of spider-man it's literally the fucking insight and it's put so eloquently by stan lee and i don't know why the fuck you would try to get rid of that no yeah right? there's that <laughs> awkward scene in the andrew garfield ones where they're like at the and they're about to like, leave his house uh, and they're like, like back and forth where it's like <laughs> They're yeah. trying as hard as they can to get that that point across without saying, "With great power comes great responsibility." Right, and there's no point in doing that, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, but it's, um, oh. but anyways, the whole like the whole fucking thing with Spider-Man is just that like I think, especially the new ones, like you're right, that was probably the best decision they could have made. It really does make it not Spider-Man, though. You know, no, the um, choices they made with Spider-Man make it not Spider-Man. Um, right. But to fit in that universe, like, that's fine, right? And, like... Well, Spider-Man itself is almost like an extended origin story as a comic. It's literally, like, boy coming of age being a superhero. Well, that's that's Um, what it is, is, right? Is this boy turning into a man. And, like, I hate when everyone's, like, Spider-Man's... Like, like, I see a lot of bad reviews about, like, the the Andrew Garfield Spider-Mans, which, like, are fair. Like, those movies aren't great, right? But when everyone's just, like, just a teenage angst story, I'm, like... That's no shit. <laughs> like, what? The, <Yeah>. What? <laughs> like, I I hate r- scrolling through Rotten Tomatoes and seeing that because it's like, what? What did you think it was? Right? This is like the whole point of Spider Man is like becoming a good man. That's the whole story. That's the whole point of the story. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, but let's let's save your Spider Man rant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, Spider Man we'll episode. Save <laughs> that said, I have a a good couple points to leave us on that we can go back and forth on. Unless you have sure. anything you want to talk about before we no everything I was it. I was going on like Spider Man fucking train I and I was, <laughs> I was about to just go for like I was an like, hour. We spent <laughs> hours doing this. I need to cut them off now. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's do it uh, two ways then. Let's see. What would you be happy with with the continued Marvel characters as they are? What would be your best case scenario moving forward? And then the same thing um, with DC. I'll go first with Marvel. Sure. I would say, even though they already did it and failed, if they did a redux on Civil War that was a genuine Civil War, I would be happy with that as a future for the Marvel films, even though they should just stop and reboot in a decade. Mm -hmm. And as for DC, I think I've said it already. Continue with Zack Snyder's vision but also allow filmmakers just to create their own stories of the superheroes at the same time. Um, like they're doing with Matthew Vaughn and the Joker and everything. But what yeah. would you say? Honestly, I didn't really think about the civil war redux. That would be cool. I think the only problem is that like Iron Man's dead. So like, yeah, they wouldn't, they need Iron Man. That's he's he's like, he's like, he's like the main, main character in that. I would say uh, him him and Captain, and America. Captain America, which like he's gone too. Right. Yeah. Um, which so like I it. would, 
Well, see, like if they if they rebooted, if they did what I was saying, where they like kind of let let Marvel stop and then they rebooted it. Right. Like, yeah, you probably won't get it as good of an Iron Man as like Robert Downey Jr. Like that's going to be really fucking hard to ask for because he was like born to play that role. Well, they However, literally they literally like there there was that phase of Marvel Comics where they based them off of actors and they chose him. Right. 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 So um, unless I'm however, ass, like, but I'm pretty sure that's what happened. That's why Sam um, Jackson is Sam Jackson in there and everything. Really? Yeah, I um, think they literally decided to. Well, no, because Nick Fury was made in the like fucking 60s, I think. Yeah, but Nick Fury was a white um, man initially. So like when they redid their comic series, they literally styled them after certain actors. Oh, and that okay. Was like, I see. I see. And that was like, like the most almost certain. Iteration. That's how it went. And then they were like, <laughs> why don't we just cast the actors? Um, right, right. So. Um, but essentially, like, I, I think one of the best things that Marvel could do right now is just to fucking stop. Right. Like, just just fucking stop it all. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like, sure. Now that you've gone a little further, like, end it. Right. Bring in another big villain. Just, you know, find a way to end it as soon as possible. Right. And then, like, reboot with a more like a, a, like go back to Marvel Origins. And I would say instead of going to the next bigger villain, I would say drop back. Right. Like. Why not in- introduce all these characters and do like an epic kind of like civil war, like a real civil war uh, arc where like all of these, all of these heroes line up to um, what civil war was supposed to be. Right. Yeah. And have have like go with one of the darkest civil war iterations. Right. And have a lot of these heroes die in conflict with each other and really like test the the philosophies behind like these superheroes and like what it means to be a vigilante right um and to to be to be superior to like just physically or you know whatever to the people around you yeah i gotta agree right? now you pointed out captain american iron man are done so that's the only way civil war can be done so really they should just put a cap on it um what about yeah. dc dc um i i strongly agree with what you were saying like let all these people do their own thing like you know bring all these characters in like it would be cool if someone could make that green lantern film and like kind of make it uh flow into Zack Snyder's universe but I think you'd need heavy supervision from Zack Snyder yeah I think they Um, need to uh to flirt with R rating as well I think that'd be very good yeah especially going forward in in the is is this movie R-rated by the way no I think it's PG-13 is it yeah um and it's R no it is R I'm pretty sure he could have made a PG-13 if he wanted to, though. He's just he could have, but I'm glad he didn't because I think that that's that lays groundwork for. It's got to be R only for language, though. I can't imagine it being R for anything else. Uh, no, I think it was for gore actually, because there were a Are lot of like, me? yeah, there was the Green Lantern who got his arm cut off when, you know, oh, like uh, yeah, Dark I suppose. Was... I don't think there was just stuff like that throughout, count. right? I think it's um, got to be for language. It's pre. I I don't know. Let's let's look it up. Fuck it. We have <laughs> sure, internet sure. at our, our fingertips. Yeah. Zach Snyder, thrilling podcast content. <laughs> um, but I'll just keep going while you're yeah, typing there. Go for it. Um, but basically, like I think you're right. Like having a lot of these other, um, a lot of these universes, and letting a lot of um, directors bring their artistic vision to DC in the cinematic universe as like a completely different universe um, is going to be really cool. And I think that's, that's honestly going to be um, one of the best things that could come of the superhero era is just letting, letting directors just run fucking rampant with these stories. 
right and and let them like let them have artistic freedom in creating this uh this like fantasy world right and i think personally as an advocate for ad- advocate for like sci-fi and fantasy becoming more mainstream and like good cinema because for some reason right now that's considered like inherently bad cinema when that's just not true like you look at someone like Denis Villeneuve right who's making sci-fi movies that blow like great dramas out of the water right yeah um and and you see the potential of science fiction and you see the potential of fantasy right and you see like what you could what aspects of humanity you can actually explore with that and i think that's what's going to be interesting with um with dc is like if they can get these really really uh um talented directors to come in and go as far as they can with any hero with no restrictions on like whatever universe they're in. Yeah. They need to go right. the, the Nolan route on each hero, essentially, frankly, like just yeah. give a, find a director, see if they do a successful first movie and then just let them finish a trilogy, you know? Right. Just let them do whatever the fuck they want, basically. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, I think that's going to be a lot cooler. And like DC has like DC while like, I do have some criticisms about just like the fucking godliness of it and just like the overpoweredness to where like you can't have a human story does allow for kind of like it almost acts as like a blank template where a lot of these a a lot of artists can come in and tell whatever story they want to. Right. Because they're not restricted by um, someone's some like the character that someone created. Yeah, that's true. Um, Um, Anyways, did you find did you find what was right Four uses of the F word. I'm almost certain that's it. There is more okay. gore in it than uh, Whedon's, but I'm pretty sure that uh, four uses of that four uses of the F word get you an R rating. So yeah, cool. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, go ahead. Regardless of what it was for, I think rated R is going to be good for. Like, if if DC is kind of approaches the cinematic universe as being like, hey, we're we're just going to be rated R. We're going to let. Marvel keep doing the PG-13 shit and we're going to come in here and uh, give the people who read these comic books when they were kids the content that they want now. Well, it's also um, one of the exact, like, what do these people think that, you know, yeah, of course there's kids that want to watch this stuff, but, like, majority of your audience is actually adults at this point, you know? Right, like, right. You know, it, that's what the thing about Star Wars that also annoys me. It's like, the people, yeah, who, that, it's... <laughs> It's like you yeah, have full-grown right. adults are like the actual main audience. That's like your average audience age is a full-grown adult. Um, so well, keep yeah, that in mind, you, please. <laughs> yeah, you have to. You have to always remember like what. I, and I think like with with Star Wars, they have this like a like mythic mentality with it, where they're like, oh, it's but it's Star Wars, right? And they they're like, oh, every generation needs a new Star Wars for its children, right? And it's because they like hold Star Wars to such a higher standard. And, right? and meanwhile, like no one's buying Star Wars toys whatsoever right now, you know? Like, right. And and if you it, like, I think the best example of this is Avatar: The Last Airbender, right? Where like that show was created for like I don't know, ten like I don't know, seven to like fourteen year olds, right? Yeah. Um, somewhere in that range and like all those people are like in their 30s now and like the fucking movie comes out and it's less violent than the show it's made for a younger audience than the show right and the problem is is that like I, I think this should be a standard with every uh everything that you're kind of like remaking into a cinematic uh franchise is that like you should be making the franchise for the age group that 
the age group that was originally in, interested in that show or interested yeah. in that comic is now right those those seven to 14 year olds are in their like early to late 20s now yeah right they don't want to see a show that's geared towards five-year-olds yep right and like 100%. this is just i think that should be obvious in terms of marketing but for some reason it's not they they always just go for the same age range right and it, it, it's just one of those things that seems like common sense but it's apparently not in hollywood um no no it's but, not oh well but yeah no rated r fucking dc go for it i think it sounds awesome like it would be cool to keep seeing darker and darker superheroes and like I think Matthew Vaughn's Marvel, movie is supposed right, to be in that way. Am I? I could be completely wrong about that, but I think it's. Supposed I think to that be. would be a big waste of Matthew Vaughn if they didn't let him make it rated R. Well, the reason Nolan got to make the Batman movies is initially they were going to go with Darren Aronofsky, but he wanted to go full R rated, and uh, they wouldn't let him. Yeah, um, well, I think The Dark Knight is an example of is just like a a unique instance in which a director was so talented that they were able to make something feel like it was R without it actually <laughs> yeah. like being R. Exactly. <laughs> Very true. Right? Um, like if I had to guess, because I know they're all PG 13, but if I had to guess the rating of the dark Knight trilogy, oh, I yeah, would say R right. Yeah. It just feels like it's going to be, but it's just somehow not right. Yeah. Um, because he honestly, like he skirted the edge of R the entire time. Oh yeah, right. Big time. Like he just like he just chose specific shots that didn't really showcase any gore or like anything like that. Yeah, no gore yeah. and no uh, no curse words or no f words specifically. And right, right. There you go. Which like I feel like <laughs> Nolan doesn't really swear that much, anyways, in his films. No, he doesn't. You know? Um, like honestly, you're usually in a Nolan film, you're just so lost in like the philosophical aspect of it that you just don't even notice. Right. Um, you know, I've heard, uh, I've heard rumors online that they're trying to get him to come back to DC. So that could also be in DC's future is, uh, is Nolan Nolan. taking up the reins and maybe he'll do it because, uh, box office on tenant wasn't, uh, you know, was, uh, Exactly. Yeah, and that, COVID, I don't think that was Tenet's fault, but <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but nonetheless, um, it would it would actually be interesting to see him do uh, Nightwing now because he kind of set that up in the dark, uh, the Dark Knight trilogy. That'd be cool. Um, at the end of it, um, honestly, anything or you know, fuck it, do like I, you know what I, I'd really love to see that I think would be super exciting is Nolan taking on Batman Beyond. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, that would be so be fucking fun. cool. Um, That's good. <laughs> yeah, and like instead of instead of that, um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt going um, Nightwing. I mean, fuck it, make him make him Nightwing. Have like do some little uh, shenanigans to make him the guy that trains uh, Batman Beyond in the future. You could put it in the same fucking universe, right? It, it, yeah. Like it would allow him to go like full sci-fi, you know, which would be interesting. Yeah, um, it'd be very. Interesting. I I, th- I think I think Batman Beyond is something that's extremely slept on in DC that would make an amazing film. Um, I don't know. I, I think that would be really cool. That and Green well, Lantern. I think I think those are ones that have a lot of potential that like people just don't touch. Yeah. Um. Well, I think to sort of sum it up, what we're sort of said here, 
is the reason why we like Snyder's version over Whedon's other than that it's just a good film and Whedon was sort of given an impossible task of making a Snyder film a Whedon film is that <laughs> Snyder is attempting to do something sort of new and original um, with his style uh, for superhero yeah. films and that's sort of like the entire uh, episode that we've just recorded here it's really just been about super films in general <laughs> and yeah. it's about the sort of open ground there is the sort of unmarked territory there is in the genre and it will be interesting to see if the studios um start evolve. to take advantage yeah. of this and evolve like nick is saying and i'm saying or if they try to repeat their glory enough times and just rake in cash but uh i guess we'll have to see uh either way i think uh our episode is done bro and yeah uh, i think so too I mean, we'll I want there. to talk about Spider-Man for another three hours, but oh, of like, course, yeah, yeah, that's, that's going to be another time. <laughs> we all have to do uh, one. I mean, I just recently watched a Spider-Man movie, so if you want to watch them, we could talk about them. So sure, keep that it, in mind, audience. Uh, maybe we'll do a <laughs> Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy episode coming up soon, or maybe not. But uh, either way, we'll see you guys next week. See ya. Um, you know, the, the amazing thing about the fan feedback was uh, we want you to just do it exactly as you uh, intended. So that and that's always empowering and, and uh, exciting. So um, and, and how close is it to the like original version, the version that I worked on? It's essentially the same movie. Um, that was the director's cut that I had completed and um, David Brenner and I, who was the editor, we sat down and watched this and, and we said, wow, four hours. <laughs> this is insane. This is awesome. And actually, you know, we always talk about uh, that that was a cut down from, it, it was even a longer version. We just did some tightening and some more, you know, we put the screws to it a little bit more to get it to the, to the close to four hours. So uh, it's got a bit longer um in uh in, a, in the editorial process that we've just gone through but um really that was just a function of um some of the visual effects being padded out and um you know uh looking at the scenes one more time and there's a couple other angles that we liked you know but uh, essentially it's the same thing no, it's not, uh, shall we say, traditional for a four hour long movie to be released. And I remember you had said at the time when you were uh, first working on Justice League, the studio mandate note was to cut it down to two hours, I believe, is the, the feedback. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they wanted so, it to be exactly two hours. I, I remember going, I, I remember going, um, well, Batman v Superman, especially the um, Ultimate Edition, is uh, just about three hours. Uh, even the theatrical release is. I think two hours and 25 minutes, something like that. And I said, but now there's six characters. So how, in what world? I don't, okay, sure. I, I am curious though, uh, you know, in your conversations with Warner Brothers, what has changed, uh, do you think that has caused them to Greenlight actually releasing the, the even longer version than what you had originally put together as your director's cut? Yeah, I think, um, Listen, I think that there's a combination of, of things that, that, that all sort of came together in a perfect storm that allowed this to become reality. Um, probably uh, the most important is the amazing fan support for the film and the, the uh, near legendary um, movement that arose 
from these amazing fans that just wanted to see the movie the way I the way I thought it should be seen. And um, you know, it was that frankly, it was that groundswell that really catapulted it into uh, you know got the attention of I think HBO Max and the Warner Execs, and they felt like maybe this is this could be cool. There was a couple things. I mean, there, it was always to be completed as a as as one theatrical release. We'd always because that's the way I originally you know it was made as a four hour film. Now, remember the film is chaptered anyway. It's like you know part one, it, you know don't count on it, Batman. You know, and then about 40 minutes later, I forget exactly, you know, part two, it, you know, the age of heroes and then on and on, you know? And so um, that was the way the film was created, uh, just in my mind as, as the way it was easily digestible. There was so much, and I just felt like this kind of, you know, chapters as you went forward was really the best way to kind of absorb it. So it was always gonna be finished as a single film, but then, um, you know, I thought, oh, it might be fun to break it up, but you know, that just got complicated and, um, everyone started to get nervous about like whether or not, you know, it was contractually this or that. And I said, you know what? It's fine. Like the, the hour is the four hours, you know, it's a great way to watch the movie. Well, it was meant to be two more movies. Um, and, uh, nope. It doesn't really encompass any of the additional movies other than little, I mean, it hints as you would at a potential other world, you know, like when you, um, uh, you know, like I plant the seeds as I had wanted to of what would come in the, you know, later films. So um, that's in there, but as far as those stories, yeah, no, I, I didn't, I, that's, that would be yet to come if ever that happened, which, it does not look like it would, but I think it's easy to speculate based on uh, based on that, and we can talk about that for quite a while.